Believe me, you're not the only one who's got questions about the pink wanker. everyone and welcome to another episode of 40ish where Jason found out today that his favorite store to go to instead of Myers will be closing in a couple weeks it's actually paining me a lot i keep rereading the article going this is some bull i don't yep. this is fake news isn't it well yeah <laughs> see you look at all the stupid businesses that pop up and then something that's uh what, when do you decide? Well, so it's a business conversation. We'll get there. Right. I would say it's a staple. It's a staple of that side of town. Um, it splits the difference between Godforsaken Myers on West Edge and Godforsaken Myers on Shaver Road. So it's just the yeah, split. but the Shaver Road one has really nice wood flooring. That's it's the nice one. It's the fancy Meyer. Yeah. It's, like we always said in Lansing, the South Pennsylvania Meyer was the stabby Meyer. Yeah. That's just the way it runs. So, uh, as always, joined, uh, of course, by uh, Mr. John Moody. Hello. And Mr. Lance Aber. Hola. And on this week's episode, we're happy and privileged to welcome in a, a guest from the, uh, the West Coast of the United States, uh, major part of the music industry and other things, friends of John Moody. We would like to welcome in uh, Mr. Keith Sticks of Tsunami Cables. Keith, welcome to 40. How's it going, guys? Thank you, thank you, thank you. How's everybody doing? We're doing good. Thanks good. for being a part of this crazy zoo. Absolutely. Or whatever we describe it as this week. But uh, <laughs> I believe it's crazy zoo. That's crazy what you zoo. just did. Hips, it's not a hipster zoo. I, I'm, my beard has been trimmed, so I am now. <laughs> well, um, we don't have a whole lot of like organic macchiatos that we can pass out either. So. Yeah, no, true. which side note before I start into this, kombucha, kombucha, has anybody had this and know what this thing is? I yeah. do, and it's not good. Yeah, okay. I tried it what once. is it? But what is it though? It's some kind of fermented juice of some sort. And I'm probably completely wrong, but I remember my wife got some and said it was really good, gave it to me, and I thought I threw up in my mouth and it was really bad. It's not good. Sounds about right. Yeah. But it's supposed to be like <laughs> super healthy or something. I mean, I don't know. I think I'd rather puke in my mouth. Yeah. I it's between that and we got in a conversation at work. So where I work, we have um, each of the buildings has um, vending machines that are free. So pop and we have waters and juices and coffees and teas. And we started getting into the conversation about uh, energy drinks versus the, what I call the downer drinks. Like Bob Marley had a line, the Marley family had a line of like calming lemonades and stuff. I'm like, so you're oh, yeah. the two of them and trying to even out that kombucha <laughs> came up. In, in the conversation, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Other than okay, I'll, I'll read it. I'll read you what it is. All right. It says kombucha is a fermented, slightly alcoholic, slightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea drink, commonly intended as a functional beverage for a supposed health benefits. Sometimes Suppose. a beverage is called kombucha tea to distinguish the name from the kombucha culture of bacteria and yeast. Thank you, Wikipedia Lance. <laughs> my first thought when you said the kombucha culture of bacteria and yeast was like i just saw like a bunch of people just hanging around that were just filthy <laughs> let's let's be honest let's be honest if one of you said hey guys let's go see kombucha culture tonight you'd be like where are they playing and who's opening because it sounds like band. a rad George? 80s band yeah, yeah. exactly it's kind of yeah. more spandex more spandex yeah. that's what happens when culture club goes really really bad 
So, all right, let's get into it. So, Keith, can you, before we ask you the litany of questions we have in front of us, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, so um, born and raised in San Diego, California, and uh, I'm one of my favorite cities on the planet, by the way. Yeah, I, I love it as well. Um, it's far too expensive to live there. I don't live there anymore. I moved up a little bit more north, but. Um, yeah, uh, musician, started playing in high school, um, actually started playing drums in middle school, really got like serious about playing drums and percussion in high school, joined like the whole high school marching band and band program, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm a band dork. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, marched at San Diego State, went there for a year and marched there and then went to Musicians Institute. Okay. A uh, mm -hmm. graduate from the uh, drum program at Musicians Institute, and then from there went to the actual the recording program at MI, and um, graduated from that. And in that course is where I learned how to build cables and all that kind of stuff. Uh, went back home to San Diego after going to school and started my own little like home studio kind of stuff and was recording bands at. Um, I was in and people I knew and friends and that kind of stuff. And I built all my own cables and all that good stuff. And that kind of led to Tsunami Cables, which I'm the owner of. And so that was kind of the start of that. And that was honestly about now we're going into year 11. So about 11 years ago. So, um, yeah. So, and for most of that, it was kind of a um, side hustle kind of hobby. Um, and the last uh, three, four years now has been pretty much a full-time gig. So uh, the last two years definitely have been a full-time gig for sure. Um, and uh, last year we moved the, the business out of my home and moved it into an actual shop. And uh, so, yeah, things are, things are going really well and um, still out playing um, a lot and playing some different bands and different stuff like that. And, but in a nutshell, that's pretty much, I mean, no, I don't know what else you guys want to know. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get so, into it. That's pretty yeah, cool. Sure. <laughs> so you said north of San Diego, you're talking like LA or Temecula? Where are you going? Yeah, Temecula area. Yeah. No so, kidding. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's where, that's where I'm at. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I lived in, lived in Burbank and uh, North Hollywood kind of area for about two and a half years. Uh, I loved it there. I really, really did. Um, traffic obviously totally sucks, but um, <laughs> uh. there's, <laughs> there's some uh, some parts of it you don't necessarily want to venture into. But uh, it, as a whole, I just I love that town. I mean, Hollywood as a whole and the music scene and everything else that's going on there is is really great. So um, we, yeah. we fear we're going to lose Moody to that scene at some point. Like he'll just go and get <laughs> lost into the ether. Nah, yeah. it's, it's it's that whole thing, like he said. It's like the cost that it would take to actually live out there, plus the traffic. I mean, most of actually the um, studio musicians right now are living in Vegas because they find that it's cheaper to fly into L.A., do a, th um, do a hit for a day, and fly back. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. The flights have got to be pretty short, too, doesn't it? Oh, they're short, and I think they're like 80 bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Dirt. Yeah. Yeah, plus yeah, there's a, just a little bit of fun you can have in Vegas living in the area, I assume. Uh, you know, that's probably like the people that live right next to a theme park. After a little bit, they're just like, meh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I have family that's uh, in North Vegas. They're about 45 minutes out of the Strip, and they don't ever go to the Strip. Like, and right. we, when we visit them, we don't ever go to the Strip either. So, right. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I hear you. But, it's totally uh, fair. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, uh, like I said, kind of in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's me. <laughs> so, Musicians Institute, so if you're talking about um, a, the a program of study for that was for recording, right? It was like studio so stuff. Yeah, so I did two. I did so. There's uh, MI has a lot of different programs you can jump into. So, um, like John, for instance, would join BIT, which is the Bass Institute of Technology. Um, I did uh, PIT, which is Percussion Institute of Technology. So that's their drum program. So I did that, and while I was there, um, actually because of my um, previous music education and doing school and band and all that kind of stuff, being able to read music all that good kind of stuff. When I came in, I actually tested out of like my, my level one. So I tested out of a lot of my first initial classes that a lot of people had to take. So when I got to the end, I basically just had to take a bunch of crap electives to be able to just finish out the degree. Nice. So, yeah. And so I didn't really honestly want to do that. And so part of it was they actually uh, had opened up that year, um, had started a program where you could do, um, the, the normal full program is, I believe, about a year and a half. You would do a year of one of the main programs, so PIT, BIT, uh, GIT, obviously, guitar, um, BIT, which is vocals, I, I think that's it. Um, so you do one year of that, and then you would do a six-month six program of any of their smaller ones, which was like the business, uh, music business classes, the uh, recording studio stuff, the uh, guitar building and I think there's like an artist relations type one. Um, but anyways, so I did, so I jumped into that program, which was uh, actually worked out really well. And I, I went into the recording program there. Um, and I actually liked it. It's kind of funny. I actually liked the recording program more than the drum program. Um, and the only reason why really truly was um, the class sizes. So in the drum program, a lot of the, a lot of the classes we had, you had almost up to like 25, 30 students in one classroom, um, all drummers in one class. And so, which I know, John, that probably sounds like hell, but. Um, <laughs> I was going to be like, there'd be so much drool on the floor. How did you manage? <laughs> right, exactly. This is constant cleanup. So, um, but um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so that, and then um, in, in, in the uh, recording uh, classes, there was at the most you had was 12 students in one class. And then most of those classes were actually broken up in half. So you only had six and six. So um, I like those a lot better because there's a lot more hands-on. You could do a lot more stuff um, in there. So, um, but I loved it. Honestly, it was, it was great. Um, university was definitely never a thing for me. I wasn't a very studious uh, <laughs> student in high school or that kind of stuff. Um, so going into college, looking at, you know, English classes and science and all that kind of shit was, was definitely not my thing. So, um, having, being able to go in and just say, cool, I'm going to play drums for eight hours a day was, was good for me. So, uh, yeah, but that was it. So Do they still have that program out there. I mean, I mean yeah. that, that's the first I've ever heard of any school like that. So. Same. I'm looking at all the yeah. programs going, Hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. MI is a pretty big deal. Yeah. But, and there's also uh, like now there's also like Los Angeles Recording Academy and there's a couple other smaller ones that have popped up and it's all I mean it you know I got my um, 
bachelor's of arts degree so it's not much of anything but it's it's something um so you know you i can, mean that guarantees you upper management at a starbucks right exactly yeah i have something to fall back on right. upper so, upper management yeah <laughs> that means you go from not being able to spell someone's name on the cup to being able to spell somebody's name on the cup no that just means you don't have to clean out the espresso machines right fair <laughs> yeah, enough right. Yeah, i just exactly. start wondering about programs like 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 underneath the production heading where you're talking about studio recording and stuff like that and the fact that it led you to create a company like tsunami cables that right. how much of it is learning about you know signal loss or cross bleeding between lines and all the stuff that I'm like, I've heard of this and I know it has, if I talk to an actual audio engineer, they know what they're talking about and it sounds like they know what they're talking about. Is that stuff that you gained knowledge of there or was your interest just so high anyway that you kind of supplemented that learning with other reading and other side courses and stuff like that? Um, as far as the recording stuff goes, no, I learned everything there, really. I mean, after, obviously, I learned a lot of real-world experience, obviously, you know, whenever you get back into, you know, done with school and had my own studio and that kind of stuff. But um, I had no intention, when I when I got into MI, I had no intention of going into the recording program. Uh, the main reason why I went into the program was, A, I had the situation where I had just had to take a bunch of electives at the end of my, you know, my schooling, but also all of the guys I really studied with all of my teachers that I really, really liked, um, they were all studio guys. So all of them were studio musicians instead of touring musicians. So, um, their thing was like, Hey, if this is something you want to do and be a studio guy, you've got to know what's going on on the other side of the glass. You got to know what the engineer wants and, and that'll make you a better, you know, studio drummer because you're going to understand, you know, not only dynamics, but you understand, you know, compression and whenever he's asking for, you know, something, you know, oh, play the kit so I can get levels. You understand what that means and you can understand what he's doing. Um, you can understand mic placement. You all understand a lot of those things so that it, it just works better when you're in the studio. You can work better with the engineer and that kind of thing. So that was really the reasoning why I decided to go into the recording program. Um, it just so happened that I ended up liking it more than the drum program. So I feel like, uh, Lance, we should sit back and do like color commentary and just make John and, and Keith talk strictly in music, music, uh, industry lingo to each other. Dude, just, that's what we do all the time. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. nothing. The, the thing you're missing out on is when we actually start talking about artists that have hit up like one or both of us. Because <laughs> that's where it actually gets really good. Well, you mean hit you guys up for like materials and stuff like that? And oh yeah, like but 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 Keith gave me a cable. Won't you give me a hat? No, that's not how this works. But I, that's not how this works. But seriously, yeah. go ask somebody else. I'm not playing your game. <laughs> yeah. But I think is that's how a lot of people think it works. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, you and I, uh, we, we like we mentioned a couple podcasts ago. We we. we we set our uh, mu musical instruments down a long time ago. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Which is too bad, because Jason could be doing all the Yeah, I blew, I blew a note on my trumpet, uh, I don't know, probably about three months ago. That was a, a I feel like a note. I've been listening to a lot of the Brass Against the Machine. I'm like, I probably could have hung for a while in that group. I could have done all right. Well, in your heyday, you probably could have. I probably could have. Yeah. Yeah, no awesome. kidding. I mean. Nope. Yeah, you're, 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 you, 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 two, you two are definitely the more uh, musician between the, of the three of us. Oh, yeah, and, and John has forgotten more than I ever knew, so that's where the, the hierarchy <laughs> in this group goes. So. Let's just remember, this is the episode where he said it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll freely admit it. I played, 
I played for a long time and, and John played two instruments for God's sakes, same instrument, different vibes. I mean, I can't even, I started with one instrument and ended with the same one. How many years of that? 12, 16, 17 years of playing. Uh, it's been a while though. It's yeah. While. So, and, and then yet tonight, like the studio <laughs> session I was at, I think I bent time and space with my pedal board. Did you? And Pedalboard got a lot of commentary from the uh, artwork online, so that, I thought that was pretty funny. Which, that uh, that artwork is from the guest for next week. Is it? It is. That should be fun. That should be fun. Uh, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Tsunami Cable. So I, had, I learned about a lot of companies, Keith, uh, in the music industry through John's connections. Either he's friends with people, or he's an endorsing artist, or he's just a fan of their materials. And the first time he posted gotcha. these ridiculously pink cables, <laughs> like those are awesome. What the hell? Where t- there's got to be a story behind those. And that's when he said, "Yeah, there's tsunami cables." And he went into it. So, can you give us a little bit of what led you to the point where you're like, "Nah, somebody can do it better," and I think it's me. The history, sort of, of tsunami cables. Yeah. So um, it kind of kind of takes off from where I kind of left off with, uh, with my kind of origin story or whatever. But um, so I, I built all this, I was building all the cables that were in my studio that I had and I was bringing in guys to record and that kind of stuff. And um, I'm sure John can contest to this. Uh, a lot of musicians will come in and a lot of times musicians are decent players, but they have really crappy gear. Um, and so they'll come in and especially as an audio engineer, your whole goal is to get the best sound you can possibly get. So um, I'd have guys come in to record guitar or bass or whatever, and they'd have like the worst cable in the world. They'd plug it in and just be making all sorts of noise and causing all sorts of problems. So I would instantly just say, here, use this one instead. And, um, and so they'd use my cable and then it would be instantly, well, where'd you get this thing? This thing's awesome. Where'd you get it from? It sounds so much better than what I have. And you know, my response would be, well, I, I made it, you know, not a big deal. And, um, and so that was kind of the initial start of it to go back a little bit. When I first started building cables, um, my roommate and I, when we were at MI, um, we both learned how to make cables. He made all of his in red cables. All of his cables were red. All of my cables were blue. And the only reason why we did that was just to keep them separated. So we know who's were who that's all it was. And we sold them at MI. I'm sure the people at MI probably wouldn't want to hear this, but we sold them at the actual school. Um, to the other to the other musicians solely for beer money that was really what we did was we sold them just to have enough to cover our cost and get buy a six pack buy you know some beer at the end of the day and um and have a good time at our at our room our place so uh, so that was really the initial first start of of tsunami cables so um that and then like i said i mean just doing the studio thing and having guys come in and they were buying them out of the studio kind of got to a point after oh I don't know six or eight months that I realized I'm making more money selling cables out of my studio than I am selling studio time and so I was like okay there's something to this Um, I was able to do actually some um, cable work for a couple of my teachers from MI um, for studios that they had so I was able to do some work and get stu- get into some studios that they were, you know, using and that they, some of them had, you know, ho- really nice home studios and stuff like that. Um, and so they loved them and they were, and a lot of the guys were like, 
you should look into this. This is something that you should maybe pursue and kind of start taking a look at. And um, so that just kind of led me down, you know, honestly, probably a good four or five years of just R&D of just making stuff, trying things, trying to find artists, you know, guys that would buy this stuff, um, you know, trying to find different people to play as I was playing out all over San Diego and LA. Um, I'd always have cables on me to try to, you know, panhandle and sell as much as I could um, right. around and that kind of thing. Or if somebody had a cable go down, I would hand them one of mine, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the different groups I was playing in, they would only use my stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So um, that's really kind of where it just got started. And, um, and like I said, and now we're, you know, all the way here. So um, the, the funny thing, I don't know if you guys know the story or not, I know obviously John does, but the, uh, so the whole wanker idea, the whole point of the, why we call them the pink wankers is, uh, I did a post quite a while back. Um, and of the, of, I don't know if it was, I think it was, I don't think it was a pink cable. I think it was just a cable. I it made. was just a cable. Yeah. And, um, and some guy on there commented that the cable was a wanker cable. And so he was kind of like trying to talk shit or something. And I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really funny that he was calling it a wanker cable. And um, so I had posted the, I took a picture, a screenshot of it and posted it in, um, we have a private Tsunami family uh, page on Facebook. That's just the, uh, all of our artists and that kind of thing. And I had posted it on there and I specifically said, you know, don't go out this guy. Don't go, you know, find him and, you know, drug him through the streets. I don't care about that. I think it's but funny. we did. Yeah. And then that's exactly what happened is then I started getting all these posts from in, in private messages from my artist saying, oh, I talked to that guy and he's a, you know, asshole and this, that and the other saying all this stuff. And so that was actually really funny, but uh, was not the intent. <laughs> um, all, all this is making me think, and I'm going to ask the question, even though I think I know the answer. Uh-huh. Uh, Mics we're all using. So Lance has got a blue snowball. Moody okay. moved from a Yeti to the one he's got there. Yeah, the, the iRig HD. USB or XLR? It, it's USB. Okay, and mine is an Audio-Technica USB, and I'm kind of thinking maybe this summer it's going to be time to switch to, over to XLR. Are we going to see a market improvement in sound quality that makes the investment in material like that worth it to us as as strictly voice recording we're not doing any music recording unless right. the podcast goes way off the rails and i don't even know what that means right <laughs> so um there's a first of all there's a lot of variables in what what you guys are doing and what you would be moving to um i would say yes you're gonna hear you would you'd probably hear a difference um the big thing is is that because you're using a usb mic um, you're getting a, you're just plugging USB straight in. So there's a certain amount of ease to that. So regardless of what cable you use, there's just a certain amount of just effortless ease. You just plug it into your laptop or computer and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. um, where obviously if you haven't, you know, using a, a regular mic with an XLR, you got to have some kind of interface of some sort to make the, <clears throat> you know, the conversion of audio to digital basically, um, where the microphone's doing that itself. So, um, so there's a little bit of difference there. Um, the other thing is also length. I mean, you're talking, you know, I'm sure you guys are all within five feet from the microphone to the actual, you know, the device you're plugging the microphone into. Sure. Um, 
if it was a hundred foot run or 50 feet run, you know, away from each other, you would definitely hear a difference. Um, being the fact that it's only like five feet. Yeah. You might not hear as much of a difference um, just because it's so short. But now if we were talking a really cheap microphone cable to one of my cables, I would say you're definitely going to hear the difference. So. John, we might have to do some shopping this summer. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Yeah. I know a guy. Uh, yeah. Order some pink. I don't think I could go with pink. I, I think that I think I am not cool you enough. You know, he he. You know, but um, all uh, all legitimate jokes aside, that we're coming up right now, he does make a green one, so you can have your Spartan pride. Mm. I was thinking something striped, or if we end up doing the oh, he's got striped. If we could do, if we end up doing the rebrand of the logo, something that mm -hmm. corresponds with that, I think that'd be fun. <clears throat> could do that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Cool. So basically it was born from the feedback that the stuff you were building from your, for your own use in your own studio, basically it was better than what everybody else was bringing around. I can, I can totally appreciate that. I think that's yeah. beautiful. So <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the significance of this Nami name? Uh, okay. So this is actually funny. So you'll, you guys will laugh at this one. So um, a, there's an, another big, uh, cable company out there called Mogami. So it's with an M, Mogami is the name of the cable. Um, and uh, I was talking with a kind of a business mentor of mine early on before I had a name for the company at all in any kind of way. And he wasn't, a, he's not a musician. So every time I would, he would ask me, well, who's the, who's the big, who's the big dog? Who's the big company? And obviously monsters up there, but um, I would tell him this company Mogami. And in conversation with him, he just kept forgetting the word Megami. And so he replaced it with tsunami. Nice. <laughs> and, and, I, and so I'm like, no, it's not tsunami. It's Megami with an, with an M. And he, you know, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And then two minutes later, he'd call it tsunami again. And I just kept, and he kept saying it. And I'm like, you know what? That's actually a really good name. You know, tsunami is a giant wave minus the destruction part, but you know, it's a big giant wave, <laughs> you, know, and it's like, you know, but it's, you know, it's a, you know, giant wave. We're talking audio waves, you know, I'm like, that's kind of cool. I already had done all my cables in blue. So yeah, he's already talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, it kind of worked out. Um, and so literally while I was there in his office, I was like, pull up register.com. And I handed him my credit card and I said, I want to buy the name for five years, NamiCables.com. And so we searched it right then and there and bought the name before or anything else. So it was kind of funny, but it was like, right. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was it. That's the birth of the name itself. Nice. No, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. <laughs> there you go. Learned You've been holding good. out on me. <laughs> You thought you knew everything. <laughs> I, I did. In fact, I did. So, so knowing that the name is synonymous with the quality of the, of the material that you're putting out, uh -huh. uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about with you in particular um, was the thought behind branding, branding the company, branding the experience, branding the relationship that you have with you and your artists and, and how that compares to uh, personal branding in terms of people probably know Keith sticks. They probably know tsunami cables. Those who are really in the know make that connection and know right. that they are synonymous. Right. Uh, and I kind of want to, I want to hear about this from, from your perspective in terms of 
what kind of lengths you went to, you, I mean, you did something as simple as simple as securing the name for a website. What are the right. steps for you then going, okay, this is going to be a full fledged business because, um, often I have had friends and companies and personally go on to someone like John to help with a branding situation, be it graphic design or rep uh, representation based on experience or something like that. So I'd love to find out, uh, and, and definitely want to hear John and Lance on this because of the different perspectives they're going to bring. How important was it and how did you go about building up the personal brand identity of Tsunami Cables when you started since it's been a few years now? Yeah, well, first of all, um, it, didn't, it definitely, definitely did not happen overnight. Um, so, you know, that's something to be, you know, to definitely take into consideration. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, we're going into our 11th year right now and I just want to say maybe the last five years, I feel like we've kind of gotten an identity. You know what I mean? So I kind of feel like in the last five years, okay, we've got, you know, our logo set, our, our, you know, font set, you know, the way it looks, you know, and the, the ideas, the, the look of, you know, the packaging, the, all that kind of stuff, I feel like we've just now kind of have gotten it down uh, really where we're at. So to kind of answer your questions, I know I kind of started at the end, but um, to go to the beginning, <laughs> um, again, this is a really long process. And I feel like for me, the, I treat all of it from an, really from an artist's perspective. So um, the first thing is, is that I come from a family business. So my parents both own a photography business down in San Diego. Um, they do like school portrait photography and they do family portrait photography, all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, so I grew up in a family business. Um, you know, I mean, I, it's changed now, but I grew, you know, I remember seeing my, my dad do, you know, million dollar business deals with a handshake and no contract, nothing like that. You know, so to me, those kind of things really matter to me as a whole. Um, I feel like we've gone way too far from that where people's words don't mean shit. And it's, well, it's not in the contract. It's not in the fine print here. So it doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, and, and I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, as John will, you know, contest as being one of my artists, I don't do contracts for our artists. It's basically, if you like our product, use our product, you promote us, we're going to promote you. It's that simple. Um, right. and, and if you don't like the product, then don't use the product. It's really that, I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that, you know, okay, well, you're going to get endorsed our guitar company. So you have to sign a contract for five years that you're going to use our guitar on stage. And the problem is, is, well, it's all great, you know, as my dad would say, you know, when, once the honeymoon is over, then what yep. happens, you know? And, and so, you know, when you're into year three of your contract and you can't stand the instrument you're playing or the, you know, the, the device you have, then it just becomes a very bitter relationship. And it's not good for either one, either party. I mean, the artist isn't happy that they have to use this, you know, whatever they don't like. And the company's not happy because the artist isn't representing the product well either. So, um, so I, I always kind of look at it in that perspective of the artist, of how I would want to be treated. Um, and so <clears throat> that, that's kind of where I'm at as far as that, you know, being in that place. So um, as far as the, the visual branding and that kind of stuff, the Tiki logos and all of that kind of stuff, as far as what the company goes, um, that was just kind of an evolution. I mean, just kind of going down, okay, 
you know, the name Tsunami Cables. So, okay, we're going to do some stuff with water. We're going to do some branding with obviously the color blue. And then we're going to do some, you know, kind of start down that road. And, you know, lots of, you know, nights, you know, staying up on the computer on Google Images, searching, you know, words and, you know, okay, what do, what pulls up when you search Tiki, you know, or whatever. And, um, and then luckily being an artist myself, I have lots of guys like John even too, that are not only just musical artists, but are also physical medium artists, right? They're painters, they're draw, they're, they, they draw, they do other sorts of artistic work. So <clears throat> I was always able to talk to these guys, you know, tattoo artists, whatever, and say, hey, you know, can you, what would you do if I asked you to design me a tiki for my, for my company? What would it look like? You know, whatever. And, you know, they draw me something. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I like that. You know, here, you know, what, what would it cost me to use that? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's where it kind of started. Um, I was very lucky in finding, um, I have one artist that now basically does all pretty much all of my, um, uh, design work, all of my t-shirts, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and he has a very kind of unique, very, um, stable uh style i guess you could say as far as his artwork goes and it everything that he puts out that he's done for me has been phenomenal and um i normally don't give him a lot of you know restrictions i kind of say this is what i want in a very general form go nuts uh, because of the times where i have tried to put him into a box it, it didn't turn out very well mm. and so it's always easier to go you know what i need a t-shirt and i'd like it to have my, you know, my Tiki guy's name's Kana, and I'd like to have him in it. Go nuts. And so, and then he goes crazy and he'll come up with a couple of different line drawings and says, what do you, what do you, which one do you like the best? Oh, I like that one. Okay, cool. And then he'll go nuts with that one, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's really kind of where it's been and just kind of keep staying in that vein as much as we can of, you know, the tiki kind of Polynesian type, you know, culture and vibe, you know, the um, <clears throat> old school kind of, you know, tiki mugs and, you know, Hawaiian shirts and, and all that kind of shit. Um, you know, that's kind of where, where we've gone. So um, hopefully that kind of answers your question. <laughs> yeah, that, that is what we should get next year, Keith, for Nam is a actual tsunami tiki mugs. I would love that. That'd be awesome. The problem is they're not the cheapest, but that was no, rad. no, they're not. That's what you call <laughs> premium swag. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, I, keep, uh, I keep looking all over trying to find. There's no way to get your. Uh, so the cables are actually are through resellers and stuff like that, distributors. But there's no you can buy direct. There's no links for like merchandise, or we're not seeing it. Uh, when you go to the cables, there's a giant button on the top that says buy now. You just yeah. click the button. Just click that button and it goes right to our square page. Damn it, I'm going to spend money now. <laughs> there you go. Oh, see? And immediately I drop on the uh, Black Widow and Red, White, and Blue cables. I'm like, I don't even need this. And I'm totally wanting to buy it. <laughs> see? Oh, God dang it. This, I didn't see, go this. I didn't go this deep. Now I feel bad. Now, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I love I it. Like, I like the GHS ones. Those are cool. That's like, so yeah. that's the thing. It's it's these partnerships and this this realization that uh, you align yourself with good people with like-minded venture ideas and, and you roll with it. And then, yeah. especially with someone like, I'm going to assume with someone like John, uh, if something's not going right, you basically call each other to the carpet, you handle it, 
reset yeah. and keep going. And if it doesn't work, you move on. And if it does work, you come up with shit like tiki mugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the issues that I, I've had with a few different artists that always bothers me is when they don't bring it to the rug. You know what I mean? When all of a right. sudden out of the blue, get an email and it's like, Hey, I'm going with such these, such other company because I felt like this didn't happen. It's like, well, I didn't know this ever didn't happen. If you would have let me know, we could have probably fixed something, worked something out, made it happen. But if I don't know, I right something. So it's kind of know. managing expectations, right there, kind yeah. of thing. Exactly. Oh man, carbon tattoo cable. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of the Keith's doer endeavors. Was um, kind of just when he was if I remember this correctly, you were just getting tattooed or your wife was, and you, the guy was complaining about the cable and you were just kind of looking at it. You're like, I could build one of those. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, absolutely. My wife was getting a tattoo and, uh, and I, that's exactly what happened was he oh. kind of complaining about the cable. He had, yeah, it's easy. So. That's really what they're for. I didn't even read that. They're actual power. Okay. All right. Yep. Yeah. So they power they power the the actual tattoo, what we would call tattoo gun, but the tattoo machine or whatever. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. That's what they actually do is they power that. And um, yep. yeah. And so that was actually really, you know, a, a lot of this stuff too. And, you know, it's funny. I always laugh because I kind of relate cables to like changing oil in your car. You know what I mean? Every, a lot of people know how to do it but most people don't building right. a cable isn't that difficult to do, but you know, I mean, really it's not, I mean, soldering is not that difficult to do. You can watch there's a million YouTube tutorials on how to solder. Yeah. Uh, you know, most people can go and buy, you know, cable from, I mean, and I've had guys come up to me. I had a, a I don't remember his name, but there's a guitar player that came up to me two NAMs ago and you know, we were Instagram friends or whatever. And he wanted just to say hi, but he's like, you know, I don't really need to buy anything because I make my own cables. And I'm like, cool, man, rock on. Have yeah. You know, like you're, you're absolutely right. There's no need to buy one from me because you make your own. So go for right. it, you know, do your thing. So. Yeah. Question is, when it comes to something like this, do you have your own company's ta logo tattooed on yourself? I don't have my own company's tattoo on me yet but I do have two tattoos that were tattooed on me with my cable. That's cool. That, that's a unique <laughs> situation that there's very yeah. few people in the world that can make that statement and have it be true. Right. <laughs> I gotta believe. I feel like we should get the, uh, the Tiki guy. Yeah. At some point, Keith, get like a bunch of us together and do it. Oh, I'm so down. Yeah. Let's, we gotta make that happen. Lance, do you have any ink yet? Not yet. Yeah, I don't either. I'm still, yeah, I'm still wanting to get something on my, uh, yeah, my legs for my uh, runs that I've done. Yeah. So. Yeah, I still have the one idea that I'll never come to fruition. What the IBC bottle cap? Yeah, it, it has lost meaning <laughs> for a long yeah. time for what the original plan was, but I still kind of like that idea. But the more and more I look at it, it'd be like a giant red welt. It just doesn't play well. That's what it would look like. It looked like a horrible birthmark after yeah. about 20 years. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so and then I'm going to need help with this, John, because I'm not going to word it right. Uh, and we, So we were discussing before you came on exactly how we wanted to talk about branding because we're uh -huh. obviously fans of how you've, how you've carried it out and whatnot. And Thank we you. wanted to talk about how it 
absolutely. Well earned. Well earned. How it carries over to personal brand and how you maybe carry yourself as a professional or in those relationships. You talked a little bit about, you know, observing how your dad conducted business and how there was a lot of handshakes, agreements, gentlemen's agreements, stuff like that. Um, I, well, I mean, I could feel a little bit of this for Keith too. I mean, it's like, if you go to Nam, Keith's whole family is at the booth. Yeah. His, his wife is there. His kids are there. Usually the kids are the, are running errands for Keith. There's no free rides, man. No, no, free no rides. exactly. Uh, Keith's, Keith's parents are there supporting him and stuff, you know? So, I mean, you come to that booth, you automatically feel like you're already part of the family, even if you're just stopping by to see, you know, you don't even know anything about it, but you're, you're just curious. You had to sign up for a dish to pass, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who brought the hot plate? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah, and you know, with, in that regards, when it comes to the family, I mean, that was, I think, based off of a couple of different situations for me personally, um, one of which is was being an artist and having endorsements and stuff like that and being treated very coldly. You know, treated, right. very, you know, where we, I mean, most musicians that are, you know, playing professionally have dealt with this where, you know, you find a product that you like and you want to be a part of that company to, to further that product and, um, and, or at least just to create a relationship and you get treated like, you know, especially since, I mean, obviously I'm not playing arenas or anything like that, but, you know, um, you get treated like you're nothing and you get treated really poorly and um, and it just leaves a very sour taste and you know in your mouth when it comes to that product and the product could be the best product in the world but if the people behind it are you know a bunch of d-bags you know it's not you know it's not worth the product so um, so that was kind of my my goal from the beginning was you know, I'm going to treat all my artists like family. And I've always said that I don't care if you're the biggest rock star in the world. If I can't have a beer with you or have coffee with you or whatever, then I don't really care for you to be a part of the family. Um, you know, and that's, that's how I look at it. You know, um, I want good people. I don't want necessarily the, I mean, yes, would I love to have, you know, Eddie Van Halen on our roster? Sure. But you know I mean? If, if he's a raging prima donna, then, I could care less. You know? Which which I've heard is true. Not, I'm not going to say whether it's true or not. <laughs> I have right, no right. way of qualifying that. So, all right, John, this is on you. Uh-huh. Keith just laid out what I already get from his vibe of how he describes himself and how he carries it out, his business right. relationships. Uh, you're being tasked with describing Keith in your own words. Like, if you're trying to explain him to Lance and I, like, listen, before you go – connect with Keith to do business. Here's what you got to know. I, I mean, honestly, if it was that, if you know me well enough, it's pretty easy to, to say that Keith and I, I think are very much on the same level yeah. of that kind of thing. We're very straight. We're very direct. Um, we're not going to tell you anything like over the phone or an email that we wouldn't tell you to your face. Um, but at the end of the day too, we want to just make sure you're taken care of. That's fair. And one of you can grow a beard and one of you cannot. That's fair. <laughs> what, one chooses not to. <laughs> challenge initiated. I mean, there's no challenge involved. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Not going to do it. Um, so 
from the perspective, Lance, that you have when you're starting to form relationships at, at a professional level. Uh, so Lance and I, as far as I know, I'm not going to speak for Lance. He can speak for himself. We don't get to form fun business relationships where the, I mean, you guys. Speak for yourself. Well, well, so that's, that's what I'm doing. I assume, yeah, that's I assume when, when yeah. John and, and Keith talk to someone, they're usually a highly creative, hopefully self-motivated, driven individual who is out to expand on their craft, right? You don't, you don't go from store-bought off-the-shelf cables to a custom cable company because you just like the colors. There's another reason. I mean, there's right. a lot of people that ask about that. Yeah, for that yeah. exact reason. Yeah, right. Absolutely. For the but, for the color reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you're looking to create relationships at a professional level, where the there's the as we learned uh, many episodes ago, the upfront contract of the expectations. Like, listen, this is what I need to be true. Yeah. What do you need to be true in this relationship? And if we can decide right away that that's just not a reality, we walk away and it's cool. Yep. Right? So what, what kind of things are you looking for, Lance, based on what you've just heard Keith describe in terms of forming a, a business relationship with, with someone you want to maybe go have a beer with or uh, no, it'd be beer with Lance. Though I, I can't yeah. even front. It's definitely beer. Yeah. <laughs> I having been in the you know service, pretty much the service industry for my entire career, as far as customer service. Um, I've, Pretty much all of the relationships that I've started, and especially for the company I'm with now that I've been with for, you know, now over ten years, the really the relationship for me is uh, kind of a servant type, and, and I don't want to I don't want to say that as a okay I'm going to be the, you know the one serving you, but my my attitude and and I think I get this from you know from John and. Um, and um, we we have you know you guys are you concerned about the customer? I mean, you you you, you want to, and everybody should in, in an industry, especially in your guys' industry, when you're sitting there talking to people that will have a tremendous influence on your own business. Um, I mean, I the, the relationships that I have don't necessarily mean a whole lot of revenue um but it creates and and this is my in my own opinion my own personal brand is that people will know that they can have a beer with me um you know that they can that they know one that they're going to get what they need from me um and that i that i will do what i can for them and you know get make their you know, make their output or whatever it is that they're, you know, trying to go for as close to exactly what it is that they need. And, you know, I, I don't create a, I don't create a, um, you know, a physical product like Tsunami Cables is, but having, having something there that is a, is a product that, you know, is the product that I create you know, it's most of my products is just you know, reporting, uh, reporting tools for uh, you know sales and you know service managers. But my, you know, that is my product, and 
So when I have full, full control over that product and can have that creative control over it. Um, I mean, that's one thing I love about what, what I'm doing right now is because I, my boss and you know, my boss's bosses, you know, allow me to have that full creative control over how I get that output to them, uh, what it is that they need that I'm producing that. So that product is, I mean, speak, should speak for itself and it should say that, you know, this is, you know, a high quality, you know, high quality item and high quality product. And, and I think that brand speaks for itself at that point, because I mean, people know, and especially now, cause I've been in this role, this particular role for, you know, about three and a half years now, you know, people know that they are going to get the same high quality output from me, regardless of when they ask for it or, what type of you know deadlines they have um, so so that, how important I, I hate to cut you off but you said yeah. something that's really kind of sparking my brain here a little bit and it's the non-revenue generating relationships right how so i know i know exactly what you're talking about from our perspective on the business end of how how important john keith is that in the music industry where sometimes it's just a good relationship to have because you can count on each other because your goals are mutual and you can help connect each other to other people. I mean, is there, is it a 50 50 split between relationships that are viable for financial reasons versus viable for just a good person to know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to remember first an endorsement really isn't a revenue generating kind of relationship because I mean, in order to do that, you're actually giving them um, product usually at a loss. So, I mean, even, you know, with uh, Keith getting, um, you know, giving discounts to artists and stuff, that's still less than what he would make if somebody just bought it regularly. So, I mean, already he's at, if you were comparing that, he's, he's already a little behind with that relationship. So, I mean, it really is more um, that about building the, um, building the culture and the community around the product or everything that way. Whereas then the artists themselves promote it because of Keith, because of how they're treated, because of everything that way. And I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've counted on it, but I mean, I would dare to say, Keith, what a very high percentage of your artists were referrals from other artists. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and again, you have to look at it too from the perspective of, you know, I'm a small company. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's really just myself. And so I don't have, you know, a, you know, 30, 40 person sales team to go out or even, you know, even, you know, a West Coast sales rep and an East Coast sales rep. I don't have that. I I am the sales rep, you know. So um, for me, part of that, too, is. I live and die off of not only social media, but off of, you know, word of mouth and that referral. I mean, those, every one of my artists are a sales guy or a salesman for me. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So, um, and for me, I've always realized that, you know, it's, there's such a difference between me talking to X artist and trying to sell my product and then John, as one of my artists, talking to that artist about my product. It's night and day difference because they can look at John and go, well, John's a great bass player and John does this and John does that. Yeah, okay. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and they can look at that and say, okay, well, he's credible. 
So I'm going to take his word for being credible and, and work it that way. Where for me, I'm just some another, another guy trying to take money out of their pocket. You know, that's, that's how a lot of people I think look at it. So I've always looked at it in the perspective of that. My artists are extremely important to me. um, Not only from via the relationship and even when I do sell them at a discount and lose a little bit of money, I'm also thinking, okay, you know, what's this guy's reach? What's this guy, you know, who's, how, how many people does does he know? How many people is he out and talking to? Um, You know, that kind of thing. And so it, you know, that's always a big, you know, big deal for me, at least, is that. And the relationship, the relationship is the number one thing. And, and I think you know, there's a lot of these things that we kind of blew, blew over too from the perspective of, you know, the, you got to have a good product regardless. Like it's got to start with having a good product. I mean, like Lance, mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, with, you know, with the software and the stuff for, I'm not sure if it's software or hardware, right. but yeah. what you have, you know, it starts with a good product. GHS strings you start with a good product already, you know, and and so you have to already have that product that's a, a, a sub, you know, um, you know, middle ground product, you know, it's got to be above that it's gonna be a better product than the average product. And I think once you have that, then, you know, having those relationships, having all that stuff, because at the end of the day, the cable's got to work. If the cable didn't right. work, it wouldn't matter how many people I had playing them because eventually they're all just going to go somewhere else. So, um, and regardless of how much of a nice guy I am or whatever, um, how many beers I buy John, it doesn't matter if the beers or tacos. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Tacos are the next step up. How the next step up. (laughs) So, but, um, but yeah, you know, so I think that's, that's a huge, huge part of it, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, Going back to oh sorry go ahead Lance go ahead I was going to say because the, you know, the yeah, I was th- I was saying before we were recording that you know, it, the personal branding is such a you know it's been kind of on the you know, on the words of corporate America over these past probably ten years I mean right and you know how how important it is to to find your own niche in your in whatever company you work for or whatever company you start I mean you've got to find your own niche to says that you know this this is my place and this is you know i have full control over the success of my own my you know my own journey here and so that i mean that personal brand is is something that maybe between relationships between attitude between um you know the the product that you put out um if there is a product but i I, well i think anything is a product i mean even even if you're in, in a service industry I mean, as, as a as a waitress or a bartender, I mean, your your product is your experience, and um, yep. so it's mm-hmm. it, may not, it may not be a physical thing, but um, just having that, you know, having that experience of, of what what those things can do, um, has been important. And you know, and I've I've been a I've been a personal brand ambassador for the company I work for for you know pretty much since I started, um, and it's I mean, it's definitely evolved, but. Uh, you know, as far as what what I'm doing, but you know, it's important to have that um, you know that connection with the you know with the, the product, the the people that are you know put that product out, and the people that are affected by it. So, yeah, absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And it's and it's interesting because for me, as far as a personal brand, like me personally, like Keith Sticks, and we were talking about that earlier, is like I over the last. Well, what John, uh, uh, 
bass player live was what last when was that last when we two years out. was the last one yeah the last one was yeah. two years ago okay so um yeah i mean I, I remember the conversation that you and i had really well where you know i i for the longest time I was tsunami cables. I didn't think of it being as two separate things and it wasn't. And I tried to kind of do that at one point in a band and it kind of didn't work. And I honestly just didn't put enough work or effort into it. It was just more of got to get the company moving and going. Um, and, you know, John and I were talking and John said, look, you know, the cables are great, but the reason why I'll only ever buy tsunami cables is because of you, you know, it's not because of the it's true. And, um, and that, you know, then first of all, thank you, John. I appreciate that. But, um, you know, that was something that really kind of hit me hard and was like, okay, I need to do more myself. I need to show, you know, I need to talk more, you know, to myself. And so, uh, not talk to myself, but, you know, talk out. Right, right. <laughs> come on, Keith, come on. You can do it, Keith. You can do it. Come on, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, but yeah, and that was really the big push to, you know, like, you know, been doing our own podcasts and doing our own video series and doing a lot more, you know, Facebook lives and all the doing a lot more stuff. Get out and get my face out there so people can see me and know that okay, this is the guy that's behind Tsunami Cables and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, but yeah, so I, I definitely get that, and I definitely that's something that I am definitely in currently in the works on is working on my own, you know, personal image in that sense. So. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, guys, I hate to say it, but we're, we're coming up on that time. And yeah, we kind of just burned through that one. Well, yeah, and now that I know that there's a Tsunami Cables podcast, uh, I just subscribed. So. Oh, nice. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, Apparently, he missed it when I pushed out the link back in uh, November from my episode, Keith. No, oh, really? I think what happened is I switched uh, – devices and when i switched switched podcast apps you'd be amazed how many i'm switching from um um pod pod, uh, pocket casts on the android side to just the native podcast thing on on apple so it's a whole thing yeah (laughs) and i don't know why i'm doing it like this that's not how i act so yeah actually it is keith don't let him fool you i figured i figured it was i figured so the question is uh, as we head off into the sunset tonight uh you got you know dennis and dennis knows you are you guys pals well i don't think keith's met dennis well, no we're gonna have to after we have dennis on next week of proton pedals we're gonna have to see uh see if we can have an ultimate mashup here nice <laughs> cable's gotta plug into something right exactly <clears throat> absolutely cool well once again my thanks to to john and and to lance and absolutely to our guest keith sticks of tsunami cables keith uh for the people who are interested where can they find you in the world social media website what do you got for us uh yeah tsunami cables.com uh and then basically tsunami cables on we're pretty we're we're on all the major social media so um facebook instagram twitter youtube um you know, LinkedIn, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So tsunami cables.com is the, is the website and everything else just search tsunami cables. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, I'm now looking at stuff going, I really think I need to go down the XLR path. So awesome. (laughs) There you go. Cool. Well guys, uh, thanks again for a wonderful episode. Really appreciate it. Good conversation. A lot I learned. And, uh, if I don't talk to you before, I'll catch you in the next one. Ah. See ya. Peace.